In heaven, thank you, Lord, once again for giving us the opportunity to come together and, Lord, just to, to seek you and to love you and to know you in a deeper way. And Father, thank you for community, Lord, for being here, Lord, with us and as we are here for each other and as we can see each other and hug each other and encourage each other. Lord, we thank you for community. And Father, I pray, Lord, today, this morning that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, and that we would become students of your word and not just hearers, but also doers. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness. And Lord, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. Everything that I say in you, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, yeah, or a Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter 15, Proverbs chapter 15. We're now in part 16 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Say, Wisdom That Works. Again, Proverbs chapter 15. And before we dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from chapter 14. And I gave you three points. You might remember the points. And the first point of chapter 14 was the wise and the foolish. Say that. And that's in verses 1 through 9. And Solomon, what he does, he presents us with two women. And both women are working on their homes. And one is wise and the second, the first one is wise. The second one is foolish. And the bottom line is wisdom is a builder. Folly is a destroyer. Wisdom constructs, folly destructs. And then Solomon says, an upright person follows a path of righteousness and fears God, say fears God, while a devious person follows a path of sin and despises God. And then that the fool's uncontrolled many words hurt others who will eventually hurt the fool. But the wise, say the wise, the wise speaks with care. The words save them from hurting themselves and save them from hurting others. And then he says, the wise farmer knows that he needs oxen to plow the fields, and without them he cannot produce crops. And then what Solomon does, he takes us uh, to a court setting, and he says, a, a truthful witness does not deceive, but a false witness pours out lies. And he says, the mocker seeks wisdom and finds them. In other words, they may recognize, the mocker may recognize the value of wisdom, but doesn't have the, the, the teachability to succeed. And then he says, but knowledge, say knowledge, comes easily to the discerning. Then he says, escaping quick, he says to escape quickly from the company of fools, they're a waste of your time. And he says, the wise give thought to their ways. I love that. The wise give thought to their ways. In other words, they think about the consequences, right? Think about the consequences of their actions. But the folly of fools is deception. In other words, they live a life of self Deceit. And then he says, fools make a mock at sin, but goodwill, say goodwill. In other words, the word there is favor as well. Favor is found among the upright. The second point of chapter 14 was appearances. Say that. And that's in verses 10 through 13. And Solomon, what he does, he exhorts us not to be taken in by appearances. And, and we really don't know, right? We really don't know what people are going through when it comes to their sorrows and their joys. We cannot really fully understand their feelings, but God can because he's God. Amen? Then he says, the house of the wicked that may look secure because you see the house of the wicked, it may look secure, but Solomon says it will be destroyed. But the tent of the upright, say upright, will flourish. Why? Because the hopes that are built on it are more lasting because it continues on into everlasting life. 
Then he says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. In other words, a person can rationalize the way they have chosen, even though it will lead them to ruin, even to death. Then he says, even in laughter the heart may ache, and joy may end in grief. So he says, appearances can be deceiving. The third point was contrasting behaviors. Say that, contrasting behaviors. And that's in verses 14 through 35. And there Solomon simply just points out the basic contrast between the rewards of good and uh, sinful behavior. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message is Upward for the Wise. Everyone say that. Upward for the Wise. Now, as we walk through this chapter, you will notice that Solomon now uses all three couplets. All three couplets. He uses contrast couplets. Say that, contrast couplets. Contrast couplets. These are contrasting thoughts that have been linked together with the word but. And he's been using this one since the beginning of chapter 10. And now he uses the other two couplets. The second one is comparative couplets. Say that. Comparative couplets. And this shows two choices with one being better than the other. And the key words that link them are better than, like, and so. The third one is complete couplets. Say that. Complete couplets, and here's here the second thought. The second thought, what it does, it completes the first thought, and what it does, it expounds, expounds on it, and the key words used here are end and so. So we have all three couplets now as we begin this, begin this chapter. Contrast, couplets, comparative couplets, and complete couplets. If you got it, say got it. I also want to point out this. As we move forward here, you'll notice that as we go from chapter to chapter to chapter, that there's, there are re- reoccurring themes. There are reoccurring themes. And, and, and as we go through these chapters, you'll say, didn't Solomon just say that like two chapters ago? Yeah, he did. And guess what? He's going to say it again. Okay? There are reoccurring themes. And guess what? We need to hear it again. Right? We need to hear it again. So there, there are reoccurring themes in this book. Uh, if you're ready, say yes. Okay, five points. Here we go. Number one is use words wisely. Say that. Use words wisely. This is a reoccurring theme again, right? And Solomon begins by giving instruction concerning confrontation. Look at verse 1 with me. He says, A gentle, in other words, tender or soft answer turns away wrath, but, there's a contrast, a, a harsh word stirs up, or in other words, provokes anger. Hey, hey, knowing how to speak will lead one to saying the right things at the right time. And this is an extremely important principle, friends. Okay, listen, it does matter. Say that. Come on, say it. It does matter how we speak to others. It does. And we need to take into account how the manner in which we speak to others will affect them. It's not enough to know what to say. Okay? It's not enough to know what to say. We must know how to say it. Now, if you're saved, say amen. We need to be willing, listen Christians, we need to be willing to look at ourselves honestly to detect our own harshness. You with me? This is not easy. This is not easy, okay? But if we're able to face our own harsh spirit, we are likely to experience a softening of the heart. Are you guys with me? You see, the way we, the way we respond to others often determines the way they respond to us, and therefore we should speak with gentleness and, and reasonableness. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? 
Pour water, not gas, on the fire. Pour water, not gas, on the fire. Did you know, did you realize, should I say, did you realize that it's very difficult to argue with someone who answers gently? It is. It's hard to argue with someone who answers gently. On the other hand, a loud voice and a harsh word most always triggers an angry response. Isn't that true? And we have a choice, friends. We have a choice to pour water on the fire or gasoline on the fire. Which one are you pouring on the fire when you're in the midst of a conversation or a debate or whatever it might be, a discussion huh, or a disagreement? We have a choice. And Solomon's saying, hey, hey, he's saying, a gentle answer, that turns away wrath. Someone say amen. So we got to be very careful how we respond to others. Are you guys with me? Verse 2, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge. The New King James Bible says it like this. They use knowledge, I love this, they use knowledge rightly. They use knowledge rightly. So the wise person knows how to make Knowledge beneficial and pleasing because they answer, I love this, thoughtfully. Say thoughtfully. In other words, they consider who they're speaking to. But, he says, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. In other words, it, it pours out, it pours out foolishness. It gushes out like a broken water pipe. Now write this down, chapter 10, verse 19 of Proverbs. And I'm going to read it from the New King James Bible. Chapter 10, verse 19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. You guys got that? In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips, her lips is wise. Amen? We've got to be wise. Verse 3, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Now, God is omnipresent. In other words, he, he's everywhere. He's also omniscient, which means he knows everything, right? So he's every, he, he, knows every, he sees everything, and he knows everything, and he sees and he knows how we live in public and how we live in private. Are you guys with me? He knows every single thought, friends, and hears every word. Now, knowing this, knowing this, that God, right, is omnipresent and omniscient, friends, Knowing that, we should live right. Yeah? In public and in private, we should live right. Chapter 5, verse 21 of Proverbs says this, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. Did you guys get that? And he or she ponders all his paths or her path. Hebrews 4, 13. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things, say all things, come on, say all things, are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So he sees and he knows everything, both the good for reward and the evil for judgment. Therefore, listen now, friends, if you're safe, say amen. We should live in such a way that the reward will be ours. Got it? Verses 4 through 7. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. Say tree of life. And this expression, tree of life, is once again found here in this book and used here as elsewhere to suggest refreshment and sustenance like rain on, on parched land. And that's exactly what our words can do. Did you get that? 
This is exactly what our words can do. Our words can bring refreshment. Our words can bring sustenance, healing, help, encouragement to others. Our words can, can lift them up, can give them hope, comfort, health, and healing. But there's also a tongue that does the opposite of that. Look, look at the text. But a deceitful, we can use the word perverse tongue, crushes the spirit. Now this is, this is not just indicating lying, but an intent to bring hurt. So our words can bring, right, healing, or they can hurt someone, help someone, or hurt someone. Verse 5, a fool spurns, in other words, rejects his father's discipline slash instruction. So the fool rejects wisdom. That's what it says. The fool rejects wisdom. They don't value nor obey their father's instruction. But whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Now, when we use that word prudence, we don't say, hey, you know, use prudence. We don't say that nowadays. But you know what's the word? It's discernment. Say that. It's discernment. Use discernment or shows discernment. But whoever heeds correction shows prudence slash discernment. You see, when a son, listen now, when a son or daughter listens to their father's instruction and puts it into practice, they begin to, to develop discernment. And it gives them the ability, listen now, the children, the, the son and daughter, the ability to know right from wrong, to know truth from error. You guys with me? Listen, fathers, listen, fathers, this is why, listen, fathers, this is why we need to make sure that we're living a life of integrity. And a life, listen now, that reflects godly living. Our kids need to see God in our lives. Not just by word, not just by word, but also by deed. Amen? And the principle is this. Those who, who do well in life are those who learn to benefit from discipline and correction. You see, it's a mark of wisdom to accept and appreciate instruction, to appreciate correction. And by the way, how a person responds to instruction, how a person responds to correction reveals their character and their maturity. Are you guys with me? Verse 6, the house of the righteous contains great treasure. I'm going to read that again. The house of the righteous, if you're safe, say amen. The house of the righteous contains great treasure. Now, this could be referring to financial security in that they use their money wisely. They don't spend more than they can afford. Uh, they don't value. They don't value material pleasures more than their relationship with God or the relationship with others. This could also be referring to that which money can't buy. Are you guys with me? Such as wisdom or contentment or peace. And I want to tell you, friends, listen now, there is nothing like having peace in your home. Right? Moms and dads, right? There's something wonderful and awesome, right, about having peace in your home. He says, but the income of the wicked brings them trouble. So the wicked might earn money. It's almost saying they might earn money, but guess what? They also earn something else. They earn trouble, not treasure. Because their actions are evil. And not to mention, they will never be contented. Why? Because they are either worrying about losing what they have or about how to get more and more and more. Verse 7. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. Hey, you got to have some people in your life who are wise, right? You have to, right? 
and wise people's words are profitable to listen to. You benefit from their words, don't you? You gain understanding. You gain from their experience. You, you gain from their knowledge of God's word. There's something beneficial and amazing, friends, when you are connected with wise people who are pouring imparting wisdom into your life. Yeah? Amen. And so connect with people like that. Not so the fool. Fools cannot pour wisdom into your life. It's they're going to pour foolishness into your life. So be wise who you hang out with. Amen? So use words wisely. Number two, I love this. Remember what God loves. Remember what God loves. Look at verse 8 with me. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. So what this verse does, it emphasizes worship. First that offered by the wicked and then that offered by the righteous. Now I want you to hear me here. Hypocritical, hypocritical displays of worship. I'm going to say it again. Hypocritical displays of worship are not merely rejected by God. They're also offensive to God. You guys with me? When wicked people pretend to honor God, their efforts are described by the Hebrew word toiba. Say that. Toiba. Okay, which means something disgusting. Do you get that? Disgusting. On the other hand, the prayers of those who sincerely honor God please God. When you come to God with sincere worship, it pleases Him. But those who come with hypocritical worship, they come to Him, friends, with hypocritical worship, displays of worship, it's disgusting to Him. He wants no part of it. Look at verse 9. The Lord detests the way of the wicked. God hates. God despises wickedness. And you can try to dress it up. Listen, you can try to dress up wickedness. You can make it look good. You can make it look fun and sophisticated. Even try to make it look respectable. No matter how you try to make it, God hates it. He hates it. But he loves, he loves those who pursue righteousness. You ought to underline that, highlight that, memorize that. But he loves those who pursue righteousness. This verse emphasizes, listen now, the manner of living. How you and I live, our behavior, the manner in how we live shows what kind of person we are. And God loves it. Say, God loves it. Now, does God love us? Yes, he does. But guess what? He loves it. He loves it when we are living right. It brings great joy to his heart. It lo he loves it when he sees us doing the right things, making the right decisions, living the way that we're called to live, following his word, living right. Guess what? It, he loves it. God loves it when you and I pursue, pursue righteousness. Huh? I love that. But he loves those who pursue righteousness. Hmm. Use words wisely. Remember what God loves. Number three is consider the consequences. This is also another recurring theme, right? Consider the consequences. Look at verse 10. Stern discipline awaits him or her who leaves the path. Now the phrase leaves the path, what that does, that indicates a person who had been walking in the way of righteousness. Who had been walking in the way of righteousness. Listen, leaving the path of righteousness 
only leads to painful correction. You're saved, say amen. Hebrews 12, 11, write that down. Hebrews 12, 11. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness, a righteousness, and peace, a peace, for those who have been trained by it. Okay, God, the writer of Hebrews is talking to Christians here who are being disciplined by God. Discipline is tough. It's tough, right? It's tough. It's grievous until you learn to grow through it and be exercised by it. If you're saved and God's disciplining you, it's not fun, but guess it's necessary. And by the way, if he's disciplining you, say praise God because that, what, gives indication that you're a child of his kingdom. He who hates correction will die. So the one who rejects God's loving and merciful correction seals their own fate and sets their own course. Verse 11. Death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more are the hearts of men? Huh? This verse is, is a restatement of the truth of verse 3. And we looked at that earlier. Verse 3. God is omniscient, right? He's omnipresent. So if he knows and can see the depths of of death and destruction, and if he can see beyond the grave into hell, don't you think, friends, he has no trouble seeing right into our hearts? God sees our hearts. God sees the motives, and he sees the intentions of our heart. Don't forget that. Again, this is why we should be living right. Amen? Verses 12 through 19, a mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. So the mocker, the mocker, excuse me, the mocker is proud. Therefore, because they're proud, they won't listen to correction. They won't listen when they're corrected. Okay? And will not seek advice. And I want to tell you, if you are one who will not listen to correction, or you, you're one who will not seek advice, this is a dangerous place to be, man. You got to be careful. Are you guys with me? Verse 13, a happy heart makes a face cheerful. I love that. A happy heart makes a face cheerful. In other words, it makes its way to the face. If you have a happy heart, it makes its way to the face, and then guess what? It's radiant, right? But heartache, heartache, ah, crushes the spirit. So those who have deep sorrow of the heart will display their broken spirit. There are times where we walk like walk around like that, right? It's tough sometimes. So we can observe both the happy and the sad with understanding and sympathy. Verse 14. The discerning heart seeks knowledge. Now I want to stop there because you know what this is saying? The discerning heart seeks knowledge. Say knowledge. In other words, they actively search for God's truth. Huh? They pursue knowledge. They, they want knowledge. They want truth. They just, they seek it. They want it. If you're safe, say amen. The more you and I, the more that we learn of him, the more we desire to know of him. Don't you want to know him? Huh? Don't, don't you desire knowledge to seek? Then seek him. But, but, the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. In other words, since they lack the knowledge of God, they foolishly, foolishly chew on empty pleasure, false notions, and pointless pursuits. In other words, they feed on more foolishness because they're fools. 
Verse 15. All the days of the oppressed are wretched. Your Bibles might render that word wretched as evil, say evil. And by the way, the word translated evil here is not a reference to immorality. It means something unpleasant or disastrous. Unpleasant or disastrous. So it would be like this. All the days of the oppressed are unpleasant or disastrous. But the cheerful heart, say cheerful heart, has a continual feast. The Living Bible says it like this. When a man is gloomy, everything seems to go wrong. When he's cheerful, everything seems right. I want to say this, and, and, and my, my, my youngest son texts me this week, and he says, Dad, I'm, I'm having a really, really tough day. A really tough day. And I, I just texted him back and said a few things, and I said this, and I, I, I wrote this down in my notes. I said, sons, we, can, we, cannot, we cannot always choose what happens to us, but we can choose our attitude toward each situation. And I know he was having a bad day at work. I don't know what was going on, but hey, son, you can, we, we, you know, we cannot always choose what happens to us, but we can choose our attitude toward each situation. And we can do that, friends. Amen? Verse 16, better a little with fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I'm going to read that again. Better a little with the fear of the Lord. Say the fear of the Lord. That's a reoccurring theme, Right? than great wealth with turmoil. In other words, life is better with little if lived with reverence and honor to God. Got it? Now if you're safe, say amen. Spiritual blessings are always more satisfying than the material. And that's what Solomon's saying. Better a little with the fear of the Lord. Reverence in God than great wealth with turmoil. What good is it that you have all this wealth and all this stuff, but this and there's turmoil. You're not happy. Verse 17, right? Verse 17, better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. Let me put this in modern terms, okay? A meal of plain bread and water eaten with those we love is more satisfying than a steak dinner among those who hate each other. Isn't it awful when you're at the dinner table and you're eating and there's just hatred and arguments? And you have this spread. Who gives a rip the spread with all that? But you could have just some bread and water or whatever it might be, and there's love there. Praise God. It's so awesome. Amen? Verse 18, a hot-tempered man, woman, stirs up dissension. In other words, conflict. So this, well, let me ask you this. You, you ever notice that there are some people who seem to be angry at everything? Huh? And always stirring up trouble. Don't look at them, right? Don't look at them, right? And this person not, not only will respond badly to, to a bad situation, but will create problems in a good situation. You guys with me? So he says a hot, hot-tempered man or woman stirs up dissension, conflict. But, say but, a patient man or woman calms a quarrel. I love that. Write that down. But a patient man, woman calms a quarrel. This person calms anger. And what they do is they, they, they smooth ruffled feathers, they soothe nerves on edge, and, and they calm the waters when they're stirred. In other words, they, they take control of the situation. They don't let the situation control them. 
I love that. Be patient. If you're patient, you'll calm a quarrel. Verse 19, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns. But the path of the upright is a highway. Say highway. So this could mean that the road of the lazy person is overgrown with thorns because they don't travel on it much, nor do they keep it clean because they're lazy. Okay? Or it could simply mean that the lazy person's path is full of obstacles and that their life is full of obstructions and is going nowhere. While, while the upright person's path is paved, a paved clear road for their traveling. Got it? It's not full of all this stuff, okay? In fact, if we see obstacles, if those of us who are righteous, if we see obstacles in our path, we see them as opportunities. Amen? Use words wisely. Remember what God loves. Consider the consequences. Refores. Use good sense. Say that. Use good sense. I mean, God, this, this book, the Proverbs, right, it's so practical. How can you not get it? Right? And if you're not getting it, someone says you're a fool. Okay? Use good sense. Verses 20 to 22. Stay with me now. A wise son brings joy to his father. Do you get that? But a foolish man despises his mother. You know, when a father sees his, his kids, his son, doing well, it causes him great joy. And my son Julian just, he brings me so much joy. I thank God for him. When I see him doing well and how he, he's serving God and loving God and just doing well, it just brings great joy to me. A wise son brings joy to his father. Children can be a blessing, right, parents? Or an incredible source of sorrow, <laughs> depending on how they're living, right? But a wise son, a wise daughter brings joy to the father. I wouldn't say, obviously, to their mother as well. Verse 21, folly delights a man who lacks judgment. In other words, the fool not only lives sinfully, but actually finds their joy in living sinfully. How sad is that? But a man of understanding keeps a what? Straight course. In other words, what a wise man, a wise woman does what they do. A wise person marks their steps properly and they follow God. Got it? Say follow God. Keeps a straight course. They follow God. I love that. They mark their steps properly. I'm going to follow God. Verse 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, say many advisors, they succeed. So what this is doing, this is emphasizing, this is another, this is another reoccurring thing. This, is emph this emphasizes the value of seeking advice, seeking counsel, seeking wisdom. And perhaps this saying is, was intended to justify the presence of counselors in the court of the king. And whatever its intentions, it's real, it's, it's great Advice. So you ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Ask for advice. Ask for advice. If you're safe, say amen. Please, please, please. Please, before you make any major decisions, please seek godly counsel. Are you guys with me? And don't be too proud 
or too afraid to ask for advice, for guidance, for wisdom. Get advice, get counsel from others. And don't just rely on your own perspective. And I want to tell you, friends, we should talk to people. Because there are, all, there, are, there are always areas that we have not checked out or have not considered. And sometimes we, we just go to those for advice because we know they're going to tell us what we want to hear. Are you guys with me? Go to people who you know are going to tell you the truth and guide you in the right way. Verses 23 to 25, a man finds joy. Say, joy. Now say, like say it like you have joy. Joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word. I love this. And this verse is a compliment of the previous verse that from the counselor's side, the one giving wisdom to be able to help someone with an appropriate word of counsel is a source of gratification. Right? A man finds joy in giving an apt reply at the right time, right? And how good is a timely word? When you give good advice to someone, when you give great godly advice to someone, right? And they follow that advice and you see that come to fruition, whatever decision they make, friends, isn't there a source of gratification in your heart? Saying, thank God I gave them that good godly advice. That's what Solomon's saying. And some of you need to give a timely word to somebody. Verse 24, the path of life leads upward for the wise. Say, for the wise. That's the title of our message, right? The path of the life leads upward. Say, upward for the wise. There it is. To keep him or her from going down to the grave. And so what Solomon does, Solomon imagines that the wise person is walking uphill. Now, some of you guys you know, have walked uphill. Some of you haven't. I don't know. Okay. Some of you hike, but we know that it's not easy to walk uphill. Right? It's not. However, the wise person needs always to travel upwards. So Solomon's saying, his point is this, is that wisdom puts one on the road to life, and it's an upward road. Upward road. Whereas folly leads to a downward road to death. If you're saved, say amen. When our ways, listen now, please God. Do you want to please God? When our ways please God, it's an upward, rising Blessed life. Got it? When our ways please God, it's an upward, say upward, rising, blessed life. When we live in a way that pleases God, God cannot help but want to bless us. Amen? Verse 25, the Lord tears down the proud man's house. Now, in chapter 6, verse 17, Solomon already made it clear that God hates pride. He hates pride. He opposes the proud. He tears down their house. But, say but, he keeps the widow's boundaries intact. In other words, he defends the defenseless. And none is more defensive than the widow, right? And, and you see, the proud man's house is built either on the land of the widow or by swindling people like her to get his wealth and his property. And Solomon says God protects her. God protects her land from the proud landlord. Someone say amen. Verses 26 through 28. The Lord detests the thoughts, in other words, the intentions, the, the plans of the wicked. 
So obviously God opposes the plans of the evil. But, see, but those of the pure, I love this, those of the pure are pleasing to him. Say, say pure. The word pure is a person who has kept themselves from ritual defilement and is acceptable to come before the altar of God. In other words, this is what he's saying. God is pleased with those whose hearts are right with him. Are you guys getting this? I love that. God is pleased with those whose hearts are right with him. Is your heart right with God? Huh? Verse 27. A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. So this suggests that many public officials were tempted by bribes and that such corruption inevitably brought trouble to their families. And we all know that sooner or later, corruption in government comes out, right? Right? And that's Solomon's point. Verse 28, the heart of the righteous weighs its answer. In other words, they weigh. We talked about this before. They weigh. They, they measure what they're going to say before they say it. They, they think before they speak. Remember this? They put their mind in gear before they engage their mouth. But the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. And this person is, is dangerous with their speech. And this person that Solomon is talking about, but the mouth of the wicked gushes, gushes evil. They, they constantly say stupid, harmful things. They're, they're like a broken faucet spewing out polluted water. Their jokes are vulgar or spiteful. They embarrass those around them with their remarks. They toss out insults, and they like to speak their mind. I want to speak my mind. I'm going to give you my piece of my mind. They like to speak their mind to let people know where they stand, which is usually in the mud. Huh? So you ready for the lesson? Here we go. Take time to respond. Take time to respond. We are so quick to want to say something, right? Take time to respond. In other words, weigh, weigh and measure your words in your heart, in your mind before you say them. And say to yourself, if I say this, what's the result and consequence of that, good or bad? So we need to take time to respond. And sometimes we shouldn't respond at all. Are you guys with me? Verse 29, the Lord is far from the wicked. Say that, the Lord is what? Far from the wicked. In other words, God is far from the wicked in the sense that when they pray to him, when the wicked, lost people pray to him, he will not listen to them. And we know this. The only prayer he will listen to is the prayer of repentance. You guys with me? But he hears the prayer of the righteous. Don't you love that? He hears the prayer of the righteous. If you're safe, say amen. Psalm 34, 15. This is the verse for our church. Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry, to their prayers. Doesn't that blow your mind that God listens to your prayers? If you are saved, if you are, listen, heaven bound, born again, he listens to your prayers. Right? And I love that. He listens to our prayers. So pray. Number five, here we go. Look and listen. Say that. Verse 30. 
A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. And, a, and what? And good news? Say good news. Gives what? Gives what? Health. The bones. Even our smiling faces can cheer someone up. Yep. It can cheer people up, right? People are glad if we smile. And the simple yet profound principle is that joy is a powerful, if not the most powerful, ingredient to a healthful life. Did you know that joyful people tend to live longer and healthier than joyless, unhappy people? Huh? Did you know that? So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Here we go. Smile and give some good news. Smile and give some. Don't be a grump. So some of you Christians look like you're constipated or you just sucked on a lemon. You guys with me? Smile. Now, I'm not saying be funny like, you know, you know, smile and, and give some good news. Smile as to brighten someone else or give some good news. And perhaps you are to do it for someone here today. I don't know. Today or for someone waiting at home, or wherever you might go or be today. Just smile, or give a, give a word of good news to them. Perhaps you need to get on the phone. Perhaps you need to send an email or a text. Or perhaps you need to write a card with some good news on it. Like sharing the gospel. Isn't that good news? Huh? So, Christians... The most joyful people on the face of the earth ought to be us. I'm not saying to be phony, okay, but smile. You'd be amazed if you smile, you smile at people that you don't even know, that that can, can kind of stir a conversation. Why are you so happy for? I'm glad you asked. Right? And you share the gospel. You share that Jesus has made the difference in your life. Don't be a grump, Okay? Verses 31 and 32, you're still with me? Say amen. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke, correction, will be at home among the wise. Don't you love that? Huh? If someone learns, listen now, from words of correction, that person will become wiser. And the wise person knows that correction is valuable. Huh? Therefore, because they know correction is valuable, therefore they're home among the wise. Wise people who gather together are open to correction. They're open to instruction. Okay? And if they don't listen to rebuke, if they don't listen to correction, they can never abide among the wise. Okay? So as you gather around with with other folks, Christian folks, okay? And if you're open to correction and they're open to correction, then guess what? You are in the company of the wise. Amen? Verse 32. He who ignores discipline despises himself. I want to read that again. He or she who ignores discipline despises themselves. It's as if they hate themselves. How sad is that? But whoever heeds correction gains what? Understanding. They become wiser. 
wiser and have the ability to understand spiritual truth. Verse 33, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor. Did you get that? I want you to underline that, highlight that, circle that. The fear of the Lord, say the fear of the Lord, teaches a man, woman, wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Listen, wisdom begins in the fear of the Lord. We know this, right? It begins in the fear of the Lord. This is the first and most important lesson in wisdom. It's to fear God. You cannot begin walking in the road, the path to wisdom, if you don't fear God. It all begins by fearing the Lord. Listen, an essential aspect, I want you to follow me here, of the fear of the Lord is what? Humility. Say that. Humility. And fearing God, okay, fearing God, friends, is to see and recognize Him as He really is and to see and recognize who we really are. In other words, that He's God, He's God, and we're not. He's the Almighty, we're not. Amen? He calls the shots, we don't. Right? That's when humility comes. You guys with me? And if we're humble, if, if we're humble in that sense, then the result is, is honor, is honor. Amen? Now, just like you have to crawl before you walk, you have to be humble before being honored. And that's Solomon's point. It begins with the fear of the Lord. So here's the lesson. We're going to wrap this up. Okay, here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Humble, faithful submission results in honor from God. Did you get that? Humble, faithful submission results in honor from God. In other words, what that does is it puts us in a place to hear God say to us, again, humble, faithful submission results in honor from God. It puts us in a place to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Got it? Well done, good and faithful servant. Why? I'll tell you why. Because humility is the key to service. Humility is the key to service. You want God to honor you? You want God to honor your life? Then guess what? Humble yourself. Right? And if you humble yourself, then you serve Him. Right? Because you're not serving yourself. You're serving others. You're serving Him. Again, humble, faithful submission results in honor from God. Humility is a key to service. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you.